There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Uncle Pete just laid the fish next to her on a flat surface and put a yardstick between them. I, I just feel like bass guys and walleye guys butt heads. What activity were most people doing when an unprovoked attack occurred? A. Windsurfing. Dude looks like Burt Reynolds, trout and baby dealer. <laughs> Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that always sends a friend to check ice thickness before uh, getting out of the heated truck, <laughs> I'm Joe Cermelli. <laughs> and I made and said back, and yeah, man, that, oh, f- Is it too early to start with a yeah, man? <laughs> ah, no, it's never too early yeah, to start with well, a yeah, anyway, man. That is, that is what you would do, man. <laughs> it is, it is, and I have, I have. I feel like, um, now that I brought it up, shout out to my old buddy Frank Heater, who is likely not listening. I'm, I'm almost certain he's not Um but yeah, dude, like years ago, we ventured out to a local pond that nobody had been fishing and stood there and debated who was going to go check. And eventually we landed on him. There might have been money involved. And he walked all the way out to the middle, sans issue, made like two full turns of the auger, and it just punched. And he just looks up with concern and goes about an inch and a half as the ice spider cracked <laughs> in every direction. And I just said, well, uh, you should probably come back, man. And he did and survived. And then we knew we couldn't ice fish there that day. So that worked out, you know? Yeah. I mean, unless you're like, when we're talking about ice fishing on the East Coast, unless you're up pretty like northerly, it's kind of a ice fishing tends to be a maybe we'll get a couple of weeks of really good right. ice. Uh, right. Down where you are, I mean, it's it's not even that. It's just super. No, hiddenness. no, it's certainly not a guarantee directly where I live. And remember, I live in like a weird zone. Um, we mm. haven't really had good ice right here uh, in a few years now. And if you're ever watching the Weather Channel and hear them say, because uh, you lived here, you knew this, the rain snow line is going to fall right along the, the I-95 corridor between Philly and New York. That's where I live, directly on mm. the I-95 corridor. So right now, at the time of this recording, um, safe ice, so I'm told, is a is a few hours north, probably about two hours north. 
Uh, all we have here is skim ice. I don't know, maybe maybe a half an inch. But looking at the long-term temps, that could change quickly. And I heard your old stomping grounds in far northeast PA, uh, they're there. They have good ice, at least on some of the smaller water. But that's only as of recently this season. It hasn't been that way for months or anything like that. Yeah, it was always like a. you would never really know how your ice fishing plans would pan out. Maybe you could get a cove or two. Right. It seems like as late, the lake would never just freeze all the way solid. Yeah, especially the bigger waters like like Lake Wall and Paul Pack up there. I've I've done uh, some ice fishing on Round Valley Reservoir in Jersey too, and every time I've done that, you are you are stuck in one cove. It's not nearly frozen all the way over. Um, but I don't know. I might be making a little run uh, up up to your old stomping grounds very soon, up to uh, Wayne County. There's also loose talk with some buds about a little soiree uh, to Lake George in New York. The funny thing is, though, I got to say, uh, what I really want is good true local ice because when you get it right and you know what i'm talking about the fishing tends to be pretty damn good because the fish around here where i live have been largely unpressured since the fall it's not a smooth transition like in the midwest where you just go from fall open water to boom now we're on the ice um so the fish here haven't really been been beat on so if it does lock up you're you're over unpressured fish um and there's just not a ton of ice guys in my immediate area but there are i know plenty in bozeman you never have to worry about uh, local waters not locking up, which is what uh, has allowed you to do a thing recently. What is the thing you've done? Last week it was walleye. What have you done now? Well, how about we play a clip? Big burn. Dude, that is a butter, bro. That's awesome, incredible. Wow. Yes, sir. You one-upped me. That's what you did. You one-upped me on a species. I recently said I've never caught a burbot, uh, but I'm very intrigued by them. And uh, lo and behold, over the weekend, here comes a text from Hayden with a burbot. And a lot of folks have reached out to me about that, uh, having not caught one. So... Now, here we are together. Let's talk fight. I know nothing about them other than they're a freshwater cod. How was the brawl? So when I sent you that initial text with like the picture of the burbot, I had described them to you as a sporty catfish. And yeah. that's kind of exactly how I think about them. It felt like reeling up a channel cat through the ice, man. It had like those kind of like half runs, you know what I mean? Like those little kind of like bulldoggy things. It's not like a rainbow or so, or like a lake or where like strip line and like just go. It was very gotcha. much a coming up, zzz, going down, coming up, zzz, okay. going down, you know? So it, that's what I'm looking for, right? Cause so many things through the ice, right? They do, they yeah. do tend to come up quicker, like even large mouth and things, whether it's on a tip up line or a jig or whatever. I feel like a lot of times in that colder water, like the hit will be strong, but then the fish doesn't give you a, a ton unless you're talking about big fish like a lake or something. So that's what I was driving at. Like, do they make you work for it? Yeah, it, it, they definitely do. And it was interesting. You know, I want to like shout out 13 Fishing real quick because the reservoir that we were in has a bunch of trout in it. I had the rod that I used for burbot and I had the rod that I wanted to use for trout. And I had ended up deciding that me and my buddy we were going to sleep out on the ice and try and get that real like late night bite and the rod that i wanted to use for burbot was just a little bit too long 
to be comfortable like in the shanty setup that we had going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I ended up using the rod that I wanted to use for trout, which was a lighter rod. I was really surprised, like the backbone that that thing had, coupled with yeah. like the sensitivity, because the way that we were doing it is he was on one side of the shanty, just like pulp pounding with like a big heavy jig to kind of bring him around, and I was dead sticking a chunk of uh, a chunk of sucker meat and just watching the rod tip. Um, I saw the bite, really faint bite, got on the rod, blasted this fish, and when I set the hook, immediately I was like. Phew. You know, you yeah. when when you're ice fishing trout, you set the hook, but they tend to come up with it now. Like a bourbon that's like six pounds or so. I mean, that thing stays kind of tight. But man, I popped this hook into this thing and fought him all the way up. Um, you know, I'll probably post a video of the fight on the Instagram so y'all can see that in action. If you're curious, I'm gonna make one of those little save stories there. But yeah. Right on. Well, I, dude, I'll tell you what, even even like saltwater cod, you know, like they're a cold water fish. Dude, when you sting one deep on a jig or something, mm. yeah, they don't they don't want to come up right away. Like, you know, you know, you got something there. So yeah. that's cool, man. And uh, since we're talking ice and you were just talking 13 fishing, uh, let's keep that party train rolling. We're going to jump into Smooth Moves, our segment where we let captains and guides bitch about ridiculous things clients have done. Though today we haven't a captain nor a guide. But young Ben Schumann, one of the members of 13 Fishing's ice team. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh, my God. So joining us for Smooth Moves today uh, is Ben Schumann. Now, you are you are not a guide, correct? No, I am not. You are not. But you are um, part of the 13 Fishing team which is oh, why yeah. we brought you here. And they, now what they've told us is that you are, uh, you are one of their ice guys specifically. Yep. Is that accurate? Yes. Yep. Minnesotan. Okay. Minnesotan. Okay. Sounds yes. good. Now what, what they've also told me is that you are one half of what they refer to as the Burbit brothers. The Burbit brothers. I wish I was part of that. <laughs> why would they, why would they say that? I, I figured, cause I was looking at your, your Instagram and some of your other stuff and I didn't see a lot of Burbit. Why, why would they say that? So probably because, so Sam Moore, Sam Moore's a really popular videographer and basically, um, him and a buddy, Tyler of mine, I don't know if he's filmed a couple of videos of them catching a bunch of burbot and maybe like Reed thought I was, I was with them on that or something, but all right. Well, thank no. you for coming on, Ben. I, 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 <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Next, the burbot questions. No, man, just just kidding. Um, but uh, so I, I read now. Tell me what this is, because uh, you were recently hyping this on social media. You are also uh, one half CEO of the Bassmobile. Yeah. Right? Yep. What is the Bassmobile? So basically, I work for Catchco, and okay. they sent my buddy Tyler and I out on the road last and this year. Is, this for, is Tyler Brick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who is also one of 13's guys? Yes. Yes. Gotcha. One half okay. of the Brick just, and Mortar Brothers. <laughs> your last name was mortar that's very it's true so i'm sorry yes. uh, bassmobile so basically catchco sent us out in the bassmobile they created this and they sent us out on the road last year for about i think it was like five months and we just went like all over the country and just went to like fairs kids schools we went to like fishing events and basically our main thing was to try and rescue people from the indoors and just people get people excited about fishing was it like a takeover where like you literally run in and snatch them and throw them in the Bassmobile and get them outside? 
no, <laughs> that's a good idea. But I mean, probably getting a little trouble trying to do that. But in some states, no, you know, others yeah. maybe not so much. Um, no, that's yeah. cool though, man. So okay, so then we've clarified now. If you're if you're not a Burbit brother because you're a hardcore Burbit angler, like, do you have a thing on the ice that is is like your favorite, your go to? Uh, my favorite thing to fish for on the ice is probably, I'd say definitely crappies or. You didn't say walleyes, so I like that. No, honestly, like a lot yes. of people will get mad Bring at me it. for it. I'm, no, they won't. I'm not I a, won't. Bring it. I'm not. I'm not a big walleye guy. Man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like that's I'm been converted, but that's a now why, man? Why? If I'm not in Canada, there's no point in fishing for walleyes. Is, is it like a? <laughs> <laughs> is it like is, is it like a numbers thing? Because it's just like well, it's just so darn. That's how I feel when I go back to. Uh, I mean, obviously they're like hallowed grounds for trout in Pennsylvania, but living in Montana now, when I go back to the East Coast, I have no desire to fish for trout. Is it like a similar thing? It's just you've experienced it. It's such a level that. It just it's not comparable i don't know man i've just always been like a bass guy and i, I just feel like bass guys and walleye guys butt heads so i'm like uh, God. i just i just kind of stick to my bass so it's gang uh, loyalty basically yeah <laughs> just like the well, picture you got earlier yeah <laughs> yeah right 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 so i mean i i've seen some of these giant crappies uh on your social media yeah. And I think that's interesting. I feel like of all like the most popular ice targets, if you break down the country, I know, I know a lot yeah. of people um, crappie fish through the ice, but I feel like it takes a back seat to your yellow perch and walleye mm. and lake yeah. trout. Um, what's, what's, what's different? Because even though we're here for a smooth move, it's like, we're going to learn something, damn it. And yeah. pump you for some information. So yeah. like for the guy that that's looking for the slab crappies through the ice and you certainly catch them like in a nutshell, I'm sure you could write a book, but yeah. What's different about that approach versus jigging perch or walleye or something like that? Uh, walleye. What, what's different? I'm just trying to think of like, like things that I could really like highlight that's different from. What about like structure? You know, I know a lot of folks. Uh, structure. Yeah. Basically, when I'm like searching for crappies, I'm looking for places that have like sandy or muddy bottoms. Huh. And then mm-hmm. with, with crappie fishing, I feel like you just get into a basin and what i like to do when i'm with buddies whether it's a, a group of guys or just like myself and one other dude drill a bunch of holes like as many as you can sure sure and just start hopping around in that basin and and basically what i mean i guess if people don't really know what a basin is it's just a pocket of, of deep water uh in a lake so if there's like a drop off or something and it's just like a it's a it's a it's kind of hard to explain, honestly, but if people like looked up like basin and no, 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 we got, we got the basin, but I think, I think it's like, it's not a lazy man's ice fishery. Like you need to yeah. drill holes and move yeah. around and move down. And then I imagine like, even with open water crappie, you find one or two, yeah. you found the pile, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, it is hard because the, the fish sure. will get finicky. The pressure will be weird and and the fish will either be running from you they'll hear you drilling up on top of the ice and they're gone you'll have days like that well you'll you'll be drilling and you're not going to catch anything all day yeah yeah i've never done crappies but i've had a similar experience with white perch up in uh new hampshire same deal it's like you were either it was total feast or famine and by day you would attract them all or you would drill and mark some and then 
they were just they would just disappear. Yeah. That's the so, thing. One one week they're on a feeding frenzy. They'll bite whatever you throw down there, mm-hmm. and then you go out there the next day and you're you're getting skunked. Yeah. But generally speaking, that's way more exciting to you than walleye fishing. Yeah. I mean, well, thing is with like walleye fishing, like you'll go out, like, I guess I've never really like went out and did like a hardcore, like targeting walleye when I'm ice fishing. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like just every once in a while you'll get like your rattle reel to go off when you're out sleeping in a house or something like, Oh yeah. Walleye. That's, that's pretty cool. But I'm like, whatever. Hayden Hayden just caught his first walleye through the ice. He's been talking about it for a week and a half. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's the best part about that. I'm like, my buddy, Sam Lundgren took some photos of me, like just cheesing with his walleye and holding up a 13 fishing rig. Um, yeah, but, uh, that walleye is about 10 and a half, 12 inches long. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. not even like a, yeah. it's not even like a stud walleye. It's like one of the ones that you look at and you go, oh, that's a perfect eater, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Don't get me any, wrong. Yeah. Like, it can be fun, like catching those walleye and stuff through the ice, but I feel like it doesn't get fun until you start catching the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. So we know a little bit about who you are, what you do, man, but we brought you here for smooth moves. So as we said, you're, you're not a guide, but you, uh, you spend a hell of a lot of time on the water. So doesn't have to be ice can be open water, whatever, but basically man, like hit us with the most ridiculous, funny, insane could have happened to you. Could have happened to somebody else story, um, from, from all this time you get to spend on the water and out there on the road. Yep. So there was, I guess I'll, I I could probably go over a couple of things that have happened to me over the years, but last year, I think it was last year or maybe the year before Tyler Brick and I actually, we went out onto this lake and it was right about that time where it's like kind of iffy whether you should drive out or not. It was kind of like, what's not, cons- it, what, what do they say is not iffy for a truck? Six uh, inches they, or something they, like that? They say about a foot. Okay. I was so, way off. I mean, I don't know. It's different in in everybody's eyes because you'll see guys going out there when they oh, yeah. should not be driving out. Like people yeah. are crazy, man. Sure, sure. But basically, we get to this lake, and you could literally see where a vehicle had gone through. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm sitting geez. there thinking, like, this is just stupid. Like, what the hell is wrong with us? Like, I don't know if ice fishermen just have something wrong with them. We're we're just crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but basically we get to this lake and see like somebody went through. And so I'm like, all right, like we're going to drive out. We're going to try to make it work. And so I just told Tyler, I was like, I'm getting out of the vehicle and I'm just going to watch what happens. Cause like, if he goes through, then mm-hmm. I got to be like sitting there ready to call somebody yeah. to come and freaking rescue us. <laughs> so I get out of the car. I think I, I think I did you rock paper scissors that or something like who like how no, did you determine was, who stayed in the it was, car it was his vehicle man so Rochambeau? i was like gotcha yeah. his problem yeah i was like dude just leave leave your window rolled down keep the seat <laughs> seatbelt unbuckled and right. and you'll be good but basically right. i'm like all right just just gun it like you'll be fine and i think we were like one of the only vehicles that was going out there so i was like gosh dude this is this is risky but so he went down and he hammered it and his back end starts dropping into the, into the oh. water, breaking through. And I'm just oh. sitting there like, and it, it wasn't like that deep of water, but still like it, yeah. you're in a, into a panic. Cause if you, if you drop into the water, like you don't have long to, to live. Right. Hypothermia will hit you so fast once you hit that cold water. Yeah. And 
And I'm just sitting there freaking out. And I'm, I've got all these like scenarios going through my head. Like, Oh my God, like I'm going to have to call Tyler's parents and, and let them know, like we went through the ice or he went through the ice and I'm just sitting there freaking out. Like, Holy hell. He was just hammered on it four wheel drive and somehow just popped out of there. And somehow he had to get back. That's what I was going to say. So wait, so, so the way I envision this, right. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yep. You have the thinner ice on the shallower edge of the lake. And you guys knew that if you could just get kind of over that obstacle, the yeah. ice out in the middle was probably okay, right? It, yeah, the ice out in the middle was pretty good. Right. But then that was my question. It's like, well, great. He gunned it and got out. But yes. now he's got to come back. Yeah. And so, like, with the entrance to this lake, it's pretty small. So, like, what he broke through was more than half of the path that you're supposed to drive on. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, like, on the edge here is like a bunch of like brush and, and I don't know, like cattails and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no freaking way he's getting back. Like, I don't know how he's getting, how he's getting his vehicle out of there. But then he just went out, turned around and he just gunned it and shot through just like these piles of just brush and stuff. And somehow <laughs> got, got his vehicle through there. What? So he like, yeah, so he didn't come like through the path you're supposed to. He just went like totally into the woods. Kind of deal. Oh yeah, he was basically like off roading, but thank God he's got a, a so thank God he had that. And well, I'll tell so you what, you, man, did... that that never would have happened with our partners, Chevy Silverado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you could edit that out. <laughs> no, no, edit no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. So, well, here's the question though. So, so he he popped out, he got through. Did you guys go out and fish and then worry about getting back later, or was it sketchy enough where you were like, we're so not? It doing was. It was sketchy enough. Well, the dumb thing was, is we were waiting for buddies that had a four wheeler and Tyler's like, uh, I think we could probably make it. Uh. So he does that. And then he, after like he broke through, he's like, no, we're getting off. And then we went out fishing after that. So. Gotcha. Now, okay. So basically now, far, that, that was completely unnecessary to even risk it. Right. Oh yeah. Completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he here's, my question. Yeah. here's my question. Here's my question is, how far away was the spot that you were intending to fish? Oh, probably about a mile. The things that we will do in order not to walk a mile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I know, man. It's ridiculous. Well, it that, is... all, that, yeah, that all turned out well, though. That's what matters. Yes. Yes. But it was, it was scary, man. <laughs> not going to lie. It was a scary one. Have you ever seen a truck go go completely through while you've been out there? Uh, I haven't seen a truck go through, but like when I've been driving out on the ice, I've seen like trucks in in the water, like that yeah. that had gone through. I, I always think about that. I mean, having it happen is one thing. Hopefully, everybody comes out of that safely. But then there's sort of the like, what's the protocol on the aftermath? And, and I, the only thing I can I can I can relate it to is driving on sand out here, right? Yeah. I've buried a couple trucks because I got too close to the water's edge and you get that real sugary sand. If you hit it too hard, yeah. boom, you know, bog the back end down. Yeah. Um, and man, it cost me a lot of money to get the right tow truck out there before the I believe that. get my truck out. So you see these pictures all the time of these trucks that went through, but like, then what, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, dude. I, I have heard that like the fines on that, are ridiculous exactly like ridiculous because it's your choice to drive out onto this lake yes if you go through you got to figure it out you're getting fines for polluting the lake and just all right i know there's environmental stuff yeah. yeah yeah i uh the only experience that i have with this is 
my buddy Chester and uh, Chester Chester and myself, like there were two Chesters and me, and we were out uh, hunting a farm in South Dakota. And the, uh, the, the farmer's daughter, as it were, apparently she took her truck through some spring ice and like got like, okay. But if I remember right, you know, the story ended up with, I think like $10,000 or, or, or Mm -hmm. something, something like that between like fines and calling the wrecker because the guy wanted to just use some of his farm equipment and pull the truck out. But I think apparently they make you use a specific service or like, you know, some folks are pre-qualified to do that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like once once your car goes through and everything, I think said and done, I'm pretty sure it's over $10,000 you got to pay, something like that. Well, that's why you got to check the thickness of the ice. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> glad that one turned out okay. Ben, it was cool having you here, man. I also want to just uh, mention to the people that when we first signed on here, I noticed a Bushlight Apple can behind you on your oh, yeah. presser. That is that stuff not fantastic? Dude, it is I just love fantastic. It. I, I absolutely love it, like especially in the summers. Like yeah. when it's actually nice out in Minnesota. Is that like but, your one can you're hanging on to for later? Cause like I yeah, buy dude. it by the case and then you yep. can't find it anywhere. Bush light, apple, regular bush light. Not so much. Anyway, uh, great beer choice. Great story. Look for Ben on Instagram. It's uh Ben outdoors USA, right? Yes, sir. Instagram. Yep. And um, next time you, uh, you know, put a four wheeler or a truck through the ice or something, we'll uh, link back up and get that story too. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Crappies through the ice. Now, see, if we'd get solid local ice, I have two spots where I could bang on some crappies and hardly anyone uh, fishes for them there in open water, let alone if it ices up. And the last time I was able to get out and drill directly over a few of the submerged trees that I know are in these ponds, dude, like you find out very quickly, there are many more big crappies in there than you realized just casting from the bank. That's that's fun stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but the first time, it was about a year ago, the first time we ever tried to link up to do any sort of fishing in our long and storied history of misconnections, we we were going to go to a uh, crappie pond that I knew of. It happened to be like a a crappie pond my buddy uh, Molly Curran and her family own. And man, there are some slab crappie in there. I have much more experience catching bigger crappies in like small ponds than mm. I do big lakes. Like I've done it down south and stuff like that, but around here it can be this like puddle ditch and there'll be giant crappies in it. Yeah, well I and then again, I mean like I try I wanted to take you this year I know. to go do that. But... I know. I know. Well, that was one of the things we discussed during your your COVID-laced <laughs> Christmas visit. Um, doing a little ice fishing for crappies. Of course, um, there now going back, there was zero ice out here at Christmas, so completely uh, impossible, which also Christmas feels like it was five months ago already. Yeah. Uh, maybe you feel that way. I don't know. Uh, but you know what feels very recent? Me losing to you in fish news <laughs> last week. It still stings, and I find it unacceptable. So let's remedy that right now. Fish news. That escalated quickly. If I may, quick follow-up to last week's Bent Helpline question, which was, in a nutshell, can your kid that doesn't need a license keep a limit of fish? 
Um, and I, I had said not that I was aware of, at least locally, but I did also say that's something that may vary state by state. Um, so maybe you should check that out in your state. And we got a bunch of notes about it that were just sort of people weighing in on how it works where they live. Um, and I was correct in that it does vary. It's admittedly not something that I, I ever really worried about because growing up, you didn't need a license to fish saltwater here. Uh, at all. You still really don't in Jersey. Uh, and, and both as a kid and now with my own kids, n- nobody was ever overly concerned about keeping limits of anything except maybe trout. So uh, I I apologize for not naming everyone specifically, but to give you guys some examples, um, we had two listeners from Wyoming uh, reach out and they said out there, resident kids can keep a limit, but if you come in with your kid from out of state, only the licensed angler within the state can keep a limit, which makes sense. So that was interesting. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, now, we had another listener from Quebec uh, write in and tell us the way it works there is that kids don't need a license until they're yeah. 12, uh, I believe. Yep. But you can only keep the limit of the license holder. Yeah. So, see, I, I didn't know that. We're learning together. Um, then someone else wrote in and said <laughs> they actually posed this question to a West Virginia DNR officer after the show. And he said in West Virginia, resident kids are allowed to keep their limit if they are actively fishing, right? So like we mentioned in last week's episode, if your kid's in the woods or flipping rocks or climbing a tree, he or she is not really fishing. Now, granted, that would be a very hard thing to prove, right? (laughs) Unless an officer and authority was like observing, you know, with binos for a while or whatever. But still, that's the rule in West Virginia. I would bet that's the rule in other states as well. Probably, but I I think the most interesting note came in from listener Garrett Guthrie, who wrote, Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you two's verdict about a kid's limit, but I cringed at the thought of their 75 gills in the same cooler representing three limits. In my state, Illinois, limits need to be separated by a physical means. In Evan's case, Evan is the guy who submitted the question. Yep, yep. He is 100% in the right keeping 75 gills, but he's flirting with disaster, keeping them all together. And, you know, Joe, until Garrett brought this up, I'd, I'd never even considered it. You know, and I'm going to openly admit that I hadn't either. And and this may be a state-by-state deal, too. Well, uh, you know what? You know what's interesting? Like, and it's got to be like a fish-specific thing. Because think about any Instagram post you've seen of, like, a, 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 a duck outfitter. Mm-hmm. Do you ever see those limits separated, or is it in one big pile? Well, on the tail yeah, I mean, I could take that. I could also uh, point to the the kill shots at marinas where there's 35 fish hanging on a board, nailed up with the charter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, what I do think, I'm actually glad that Garrett brought this up. I think it's a good example of a rule that many of us may not be aware of that theoretically could lead you to trouble if if you're unaware of it. Um, you know, again, like thinking back, I had my trout stringer and my dad has had his when I was growing mm-hmm. up. But when we got back to the car, they all went in the same cooler, man. You know what I mean? Like you never thought anything of that. You know, I do a ton of saltwater fishing. It all goes in the same fish box while you're out there and you, you figure it out later. Um, now I've never heard of anyone getting pinched for that locally, but it, it doesn't mean it's not the rule. Right. So I'm, I'm going to look into that cause now I'm curious, but you know, if I took my son crappie fishing, say, and we legit each caught a limit, I, I would have put them in the same cooler, especially if we were on a boat, right? Because you ever been on a boat where, uh, you know, each guy brings his own cooler for this purpose to separate limits? No. I, I've never seen that. 
Doesn't mean it's not the rule, but I've never seen that. So I was interested by uh, yeah. Garrett's note. Yeah, when when I was growing up, uh, you know, trout fishing, my dad and I also each had our separate stringer. But mm-hmm. I think that was mostly just so my dad could flex on me when we were walking out of the park. <laughs> well, yeah, man. You had the chain <laughs> stringer, so it jangled when you lifted him out of the water. Yeah. Everybody knew how many were on there. It took at least four to make it rattle, you know? Yeah. Well, anyway, hey, Garrett, uh, thank you for making us more aware of this. Also, here's where we make you aware that this is a competition. Joe and I do not know. <laughs> like that? Yes. Joe and I do not know which news story the other guy grabbed. And at the end of all this, our audio engineer, the wonderful, the beloved, the... Mm. Buttery. Butterum. Whimsical. Admirable. <laughs> Phil Taylor will reach his limit of bullshit regarding one story and declare the other guy the winner. Joe, it is your lead. It is. So uh, I was already pretty convinced, right, that Google and my phone uh, were listening to me 24-7. But now I know, right, Big Brother had to have been listening to our chat with Ben uh, about about his boy's truck that nearly ended up going through the ice because this story popped up and it actually answers questions we had hinted at in this week's Smooth Moves. So how wonderful. And this comes from Madison.com, and it's a profile piece of uh, Mr. Don Herman. Now, Herman is a lifelong member of the Otter Street Fishing Club up on Lake Winnebago. Now, I don't I don't think I need to explain that, that Winnebago is a major ice fishing destination, right? And while there are plenty of anglers out there chasing perch and walleye already, um, you know, when, when sturgeon season opens up in February, they've got some big tournaments coming up. Traffic is only going to increase. But as I understand it, thus far, um, this season, the the ice on Winnebago has been a bit janky. So according to this story, uh, you need 16 inches to safely drive a car or truck out. And at at the time the story was written, which was only a a few days ago, last Mm -hmm. week, late last week, Herman was finding 13 inches in one spot and as little as eight uh, relatively close by. And what he is, is he's kind of a hired gun, sort of, uh, voluntary hired gun, ice safety officer. And what he does is he drives around in his ATV and monitors and when necessary, uh, like installs metal bridges over expansion cracks and such. Yeah. And he'll move these, these structures and bridges as necessary. And he even uses old Christmas trees to mark them to sort of create like a sort of a buoy system, kind of like boats would find on the intercoastal waterway, which is, is very cool and useful because so many people fish there. Uh, in fact, in the story, 28-year-old angler Jason Math was quoted on the day the news team was there to hang out with Herman, and uh, he very much appreciates his services because, as he put it, the ice is rough. This crack, which was the one Herman was was bridging during the story, said it opened from two inches last night to about a foot today, right? Huh. Yeah, so pretty pretty cool service. Now, as, as I understand it, um, Herman's ice safety work is all voluntary. But he also has a side gig geared toward folks that don't take ice safety as seriously. This is directly from the story. His business, which is called Sunk, question mark, Dive and Ice Service, retrieves cars, trucks, snowmobiles, and ice shacks that have plunged through the ice and into the depths of a lake or river. In warmer months, he has pulled out sunken boats, cars that have slid down boat ramps, and crashed planes and helicopters. He's waiting to remove a tractor from 30 feet of water in Lake Lucerne near Watoma and will use a tow truck that weighs about 4,000 pounds, significantly less than most. Herman typically does about 20 jobs each winter within a two-hour radius of Oshkosh, although one year he pulled more than 70 vehicles out of the drinks of Wisconsin. 
In another year, he pulled a car out of 125 feet of water in Green Lake. Now, how much do you think Herman charges per hour for this service? This is the tie back to Ben's story. I remember it being ex- what I thought of as astronomically expensive. Um, the the whole ordeal would cost you just a shit ton of money. Okay, so no I guess, do not know. Take a guess on his hourly record, rate. Okay, so we said it was like ten thousand dollars. We thought to get one out after fines. I have no idea how much those fines were. I imagine it's pretty expensive. <laughs> Let's say five hundred bucks an hour. $1,000 an hour, and that's wow. not including any fines or anything else that, that you rack up because of, of your your uh, your little mishap there with your truck or car or snowmobile going through. Herman gets $1,000 an hour and uh, says a job can take three or to four hours or more, depending on the circumstances. Good Insurance you, may or may not cover the expense, <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. It all depends on the policy. Now, dude, I mean... A thousand bucks an hour. I am in the wrong business. That's like that's like Bering Sea crabbing rates right there. Um, yeah, but real. you know, yeah. But we we talked with Ben about the fines and the salvage for losing a truck through the ice. There you go, right? So it, it it'll cost you, and and no doubt people will pay because as I mentioned when we were talking to Ben, uh, I talked about getting my truck stuck in the sand one time, and I, I was like twenty four years old, scared shitless because the tide was coming in. That dude came out in his wrecker and was like, hey, man, 300 bucks to pull you 15 feet. And you're so like, oh, fuck. I'm like, yeah, 300 bucks. Fine. Just please. Just please, God, get me out of here right now. So like those yeah. are great businesses uh, to be in. I'm also certain some of you listening in Wisconsin know of Don Herman because his nickname is Hollywood Herman. He has apparently done well posting videos of his recoveries on Facebook <laughs> in which he he simultaneously gives ice condition updates. So like imagine you're the sucker he's like <laughs> winching your truck all the way in he's, yeah, the report he's, not good. <laughs> he's just winching your shit out of the lake and he's like, "Oh, we got 18 inches out of the, yeah. That's funny. I like that. He also apparently frequently appears um in local news reports. He also owns two bars, The Fountain and Blazers. Both of which I'm sure could be featured in That's My Bar. So he sounds like a good guy to know, especially if you're worried about losing your, your shanty or your snowmobile, because like then maybe you get like the, f- the family and friends discount. You know, maybe, maybe then it is only 500 bucks an hour. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Gee whiz, man. I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first moved out to Montana, my buddy uh, Chet Riddle and I, we were like looking to, uh, we were looking to go shoot our rifle somewhere to sight him in. And it was the springtime, and I'd heard it called mud season, but I didn't really understand what that meant mm-hmm. until we were about five miles up a back road in his uh, in, in his truck, and the mud's just getting soupier and soupier, and he's kind of like doing that thing where he's like whipping the steering wheel back and forth, mm-hmm. and both of us are like, yeah, we're in control. Next thing you know, we're like on the side of the road, and we have two wheels dipped into this crack that must have been six foot deep where water had just oh, run. Oh, I remember a- seeing pictures of this. You posted pictures yeah, of man. this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just remember him down low beneath me, me up high in like those sh- in the in the passenger seat, and just looking down at him and him going, We're fed. We are so <laughs> it's I funny. It was about six hundred dollars to get his car out, though. I don't think it was like that. It's funny because the sand gig was actually not the worst it ever was. I I did something very similar. 
ironically, while hunting in Jersey, shout out to Collier's Mills. If anybody knows where that is in Jersey, the uh, public Joe hunting public hunting grounds there. Um, and it's such, I can't tell the whole story cause it's way too long and, and it'll, it'll just take up too much time, but it was in the days of brick Erickson, Zach Morris cell phones. I had like one dot or bar or whatever they had. The story involves my mom and then the tow truck getting stuck, trying to get me. At, it's crazy shit. We don't have time for that, but it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible feeling yeah. when you know, like there's nothing when I got stuck on the beach, you know, 10 different guys tried to get me out, just like popping me forward with their trucks wasn't happening and you hit that point where you're like this is a bad deal and either i'm yeah. losing my truck or i'm paying dearly for this you know yeah yeah and to that end i'm I'm actually thinking about uh getting a winch for my truck but man they just look so douchey <laughs> i think it's cooler than a than a a, a rod vault if that helps you out eh, well <laughs> please enter your password You have one unheard message. Yo, what's the I got uh, got about two gallons of Primo brown trout eggs for sale. You know where to find me. All right, peace. End of message. Delete. Press seven. Save. Deleted. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today.
All right, Joe. So for fish news this week, uh, this story comes from USA Today. As if it didn't already have enough going for it, Florida is once again the shark bite capital of the world. That's right, folks. From unchecked black bears to dudes on bath salts and once again sharks, (laughs) the most challenging thing about visiting Florida is avoiding not getting bit by something. Is it really Florida? Florida's like overtaken Australia in junk? Yep. While there was a dip due to pandemic shutdowns and marine recreation opportunities in 2020, sharks had a banner year in 2021. Florida had the most attacks, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. Hmm. Now, Joe, I'm sure you've noticed I've given you no real nitty gritty facts, just general statements. So it's like every other news we've done. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) I have a surprise for you, Joe. We're going to unpack the nitty gritty together in this very special edition of Fish News. It's time for Hayden's Jaws Pop Quiz Retribution Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge Quiz Show. Hayden's Jaws Pop Quiz Retribution Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge Quiz Show. It's a shark! A shark! It's a big ass shark! It's on your pole, baby. Keep reeling. Otherwise known as an easy way out of having to do real research about something. Okay, I'll play your game. I'll play your that's game. Not, you wanna, that's not true. You want to go that's this way? True. I'll go I this did, way all night. I did real research. And in fact, I formulated a game show around it. So you tell me what was the easy way out, Joe. Okay. Come on. Right. I shall do my best. I'm not, I'm, I'm not fully sure what this quiz is yet or what this is about, but... I'm I in. just I just I just told you what the quiz was, man. It's Hayden's Jaws Pop Quiz Retribution Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge Quiz Show. Hayden's Jaws Pop Quiz Retribution Shark and Shark Attack Trivia Challenge Quiz Show. It's a shark! A shark! It's a big ass shark! It's on your pole, baby. Keep reeling. Okay. I feel like that very clearly lines it out, if not being a bit verbose. <laughs> All right. Yeah, come on. I'm okay. in. I'm de- Yeah. This is fair. Right, so, Joe, uh, you keep score of the... You know what? I'll keep score. Give me one second. Uh, pulling Get out the cribbage board. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, question one. According to the International Shark Attack file... Approximately how many known species of sharks are there? Is it A, 100, B, 200, C, 500, or D, 800? D, 800. That is incorrect. The answer was C, 500. There are 538 known species of sharks. Okay, well, I know 300 more, but that's fine. Huh? Huh? I personally know of 300 more that have yet to be discovered by science. I do. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. No, you don't. Uh, Okay. So, (laughs) moving on. Uh, (laughs) Of those 538 species, how many have been confirmed to have bitten a human unprovoked 10 or more times? Is the answer A, 13, B, 28, 
C, 75, or D, 123? 13. That is correct. Mm-hmm. The answer is A, 13. Those species are the lemon shark, blue shark, black Bull tip shark. reef. We'll get there. <laughs> These are descending order, by the way. Black tip reef, oceanic white tip, bronze whaler, spinner, hammerhead, wabagong, Sand tiger, black tip, bull, tiger, and white. Hmm. Because when I researched something similar for the Conway Bowman quiz, I think I think you missed Mako. Nope. Not a ton of more times unprovoked. <laughs> okay. All right. Give you a check there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. How many attacks were reported in Florida in 2021? Is it? No. Go ahead. Is it A, 28, B, 50, C, 181, or D, 3 million? Just in one calendar year? Yeah. See, the problem with this is like... I don't care what you think the problem with it if is, your toe Just gets the like question. Somebody gets like nipped by a friggin' bonnet head while they're in the waiting pool at the resort, like that counts. 50, B. The answer is A, again. There were 28... <laughs> Confirmed attacks in Florida, accounting for over half of the unprovoked shark attacks in U.S. waters and more than a third of unprovoked shark attacks worldwide. Okay. There's a pattern here. I'm always 50% right because so far it's always been the lowest two. It's one of the lowest two, and I'm just just going 50% from there. I don't think you understand what 50% right means. Well, in my head, that's how I've worked it out, and that's what I'm telling myself. And in everybody else's head, you are still wrong. Next question. What activity (laughs) were most people doing when an unprovoked attack occurred? A, windsurfing. Here are the... uh, (laughs) That is not not even an option. A, snorkeling. B, surfing. C, swimming in low-light conditions. Or D, freediving. See swimming in low light conditions. Wrong again, Joe. The answer is B, surfing. Apparently flailing around on a surfboard draws the attention of water-dwelling apex predators, and 51% of shark attack victims were doing just that when they were bit. So um, half the people that were bit in Florida last year were all on a surfboard. Um, I'm not sure it breaks down like that. You know, Florida could be, uh, outside of the average. Um, but presumably if you're going to apply that statistic in broad strokes. Okay. All right. Fascinating. Um, you know, here's something else that's like interesting and on like that same kind of, uh, tip. I keep using the term unprovoked attacks and, the, the 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 differentiator obviously is like if you're feeding sharks or like harassing them while you're diving or um, unhooking a shark like those things are not listed in there and interestingly a uh, a an example of a provoked attack would also be spear fishing is considered a provoked attack mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I thought that was interesting anyhow next question you're gonna get wrong are there like uh, thirty five questions <laughs> no no we're coming to the end. Uh, you'll probably get this one right. What type of shark was implicated in the greatest number of attacks all time? Is it A, the bull shark, B, tiger shark, C, black tip shark, or D, white shark? The greatest number of attacks of all time in all mm. history. 
in the parameters of this research. Yeah. God. Once again, it's like a bite or an attack, like a massive attack. Like a bull shark doesn't tend to nip you. Like it, it you know, it, it grabs your leg and goes to town like freaking uh, the, these cousin, are, cousin Eddie's uh, dog. I'm just going through the mental process here. I'm, I'm, I keep saying attack, but you, it, like it's listed as bite. Black tip. That is wrong. Joe, if you had paid attention to my sloppy quiz writing, I noted that the sharks that I was listing previously in like the 13 um, sharks that had bit folks 10 or more times, I noted that that was in ascending order, the last of which was the white shark. So the answer was D. White sharks are responsible for 354 confirmed, unprovoked attacks, 57 of which were fatal. You're doing horribly. Yeah, but like, dude, how could you said that there were there's been so many, quote, attacks in Florida just over the last few years. None of them were white sharks. So how can that be right? I think that that's why um, Florida becoming the the shark attack capital of the world is a good news story. I do not believe that great whites have unprovokingly attacked more people than bull sharks and little black tips and things like that. Well, you're going to have to take that up with uh, the International Shark Attack file, and you can find them, I think, at Florida State. I'll send them an email. Or it might be Atlantic Florida University. It's it's one of those schools down in Florida. Okay, so last question, Joe. Okay. Last question. And this is not a multiple choice. What was the name of the original animatronic shark in the movie Jaws? Bruce. Bruce is correct. Joe, you were uh, two for six, which means you have a 33% batting average. It's a shitty average. quiz. It's a shitty quiz. I gave you Thank a Jaws you playing, quiz. Joe. Thank it's you. about <laughs> one specific film you had to watch. I'm not an expert on shark stats. Well, you say you like sharks all the time, man. I, I thought, love you know, sharks. Sharks are cool. Apparently only you know 33% what I don't like? you love Statistics. sharks. Statistics. I don't like math. Well, I like statistics. sharks. <laughs> Well, Joe, uh, you know, statistics don't seem to like you either. Uh, this quiz has been extremely <laughs> awkward. And speaking of awkward, we got an awkward photo submission that might look familiar to a few of you. If you, like me, gravitate to website and social media accounts full of stupid, useless shit. Phil, you learned nothing. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Despite your somewhat concerning performance during the shark quiz... Joe Cermelli, you still win this week. I'm thinking in order to create some uh, healthy competition over there in Wisconsin, I'll actually be starting my own ice recovery service as well. Except I'll just charge $1,000 an hour to pull drunk freshmen out of snowdrifts and toilet bowls in Madison. And please start referring to me as Hollywood Phil from now on. Thank you. Why don't you take a picture of the last longer? <laughs> we have not had an awkward moment uh, in a minute. And uh, we have to thank longtime listener David Burgess for this one. It's transcendent in a way because he tells us it, w it was featured back in the day on the site Awkward Family Photos. Now, obviously, I'm a fan of that site and Awkward Moments in Angling was modeled after it. But Awkward Family Photos is pretty OG. Like that shit has been around since 2009. 
long before all these similar Insta and and Facebook pages popped up. Like I'm a big fan of of weird shit at the thrift store. Mm. Uh, but awkward family photos, it was kind of like well ahead of its time, you know. Yeah, what's crazier though is that all these years later, the person with the photo. And more importantly, the person who can give us permission to use the photo <laughs> is, in fact, a bent listener. Yes. Uh, what are the odds, yes. Joe? They're, they're slim. They're slim, Hayden. But I'm glad it happened um, because what we've got, right, it's a grip and grin of David's Uncle Pete. Now, this is retro, right? This was taken in 1984. And to dive right into it here, uh, Uncle Pete stands in front of some classic 80s wood paneling, probably 70s wood paneling. It's probably yeah. been around even longer, right? Uh, which I happen to really like. I'm a big fan, which is why I haven't taken down the same paneling that I had. It's the same paneling behind Uncle Pete really? uh, in, in my finished <laughs> basement. It's it's like pea green, though. It's terrific um, and minimal water damage. So I've just left it because I think it's pretty cool. Uh, anyhow, Uncle Pete, right? He's, he's trim. He's a good looking feller. He's totally rocking a vintage porn mustache like a la John Holmes. And I don't know, he might have had a way with the ladies because his outfit, to me, it's like straight out of urban cowboy. I could almost see you wearing this outfit now for like a night on the town in Montana. I could picture it in my mind. So could I, man. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Pete is wearing a, to describe it fully, Uncle Pete is wearing a crisp, blood-red, button-down cowboy shirt with sharp, contrasting black buttons. And that's tucked into some tight black jeans. And while the belt buckle is obscured, I want it. <laughs> I, I, I can I can only make out like a little bit of its design, but it, it's epic. Yeah. So it's it's very hard to describe, but it's got that Native American like woven blanket look worked into like geometrical shapes. Like I've seen that design. I've seen this before. It's like but Navajo. I can't really place them. Yeah, exactly. It's just very southwestern, shall we say? And it's it's super cool. Uh, anyway, uh, in in Uncle Pete's left hand, right, is a large rainbow trout. And he's dangling it horizontally by the gills. And it is long dead. Like, mm. it, it is long dead. It's, it's, its eye is pure white. Um, and the fish is very blotchy. Like, you know how the color sorts to, like, it'll, it'll fade in some spots, yeah. but not in others, when a yeah. fish has just been laying on its side in a cooler for a good long while? Um, that's where this trout clearly has been. Okay. Yeah, now... In, in in stunning relief, uh, in Uncle Pete's right arm is a very healthy, very much alive baby girl. Uncle Pete is supporting her around the middle, uh, under the arms, like like as if you were carrying in a bag of flour. Yes, and, uh, and, and that's a, that's, she, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's an approved hold, by the way. Yeah, just grab him. You, you'll see and, someday. And, <laughs> and she looks like surprised, you know, shocked so overall between the outfit, the steez of Uncle Pete, and like the dead trout and the stunned baby. There's a lot going on here, uh -huh. but clearly this is a kind of like a size comparison. Uh -huh. You know, the trout uh -huh. is almost exactly the same length as the child. Yes, it's a, a, a yeah, and I'm gonna say the baby's a you know a few months old, maybe is I don't know four or five months old, maybe six, I don't know. So it's a, if that tells you anything, if you can picture a baby, this is a large trout. It is the same length, um, and I just I, I had to laugh because like you know, mom is off to the side going, don't let that fish touch that baby. Like that's what my <laughs> wife would have been saying, you know. Um, but I don't know, man. Like this is an album cover if I've ever seen one. This could this could easily you know be the swap in for the bent playlist, um, but. Before we tell you some specifics that we do know about this shot, 
I want some rapid fire Hayden roast. This is a thing you started last <laughs> awkward, uh, where where you just like you you were very good at these. We'll even up the ante. Phil, throw ten seconds on the clock. We'll do it. We'll do it like that. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Rapid fire roast. Okay. Yeah. And before we get going here, I just want to say this is not necessarily something that brings me joy. This is just part of my job description, and I apologize. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Yes, All right, it 10 does. seconds on the clock. Yes. And begin. Dude looks like a Tinder profile picture from the mid-80s. Dude looks like Burt Reynolds, trout and baby dealer. <laughs> Dude looks like neither of these things he's holding belong to him. Dudes look like he's part of some baby in trout smuggling Breaking Bad prequel. Dude looks like he's involved in some sort of fish baby hostage situation. Dude looks like Joe Dirt cosplaying a southwestern Tiger Woods. Dude looks like the spirit that visits bachelors when they're thinking about settling down. (laughs) That is the best one right there. Was that all of them? That's all of them. (laughs) That was the best one. I was going to give it to Burt Reynolds, (laughs) baby and trout dealer. But the last one, bravo. Well done. Well done. I love this. I love this new element of awkward moments. Uh, anyway, so look, here's here's the clincher. Uh, David told us he couldn't get much info on the catch, but the baby in question is his cousin, Amy. And Amy says there's also a photo from the same photo shoot where Uncle Pete just laid the fish next to her on a flat surface and put a yardstick between them. <laughs> so the size comparison theory is 100% correct. Um, and, and Dave says, Amy didn't remember anything uh, about how the fish was caught or where, but she knew her dad was pretty damn proud of it. Uh, so proud, she said, that that dad took a whole bunch of photos of her with this fish in many different poses and scenarios, all of which ended up in her official baby album. Uh, and that, my friends, that is how you do it. That was fun. David, thank you for sending that along. Uh, Thanks, new David. parents, po- yeah, yeah, it's, it's all, yeah, man. Uh, new parents, pose your inference with dead True. fish and send those shots to bent at the best of luck making them more awkward than this shot but you know we've been known to be surprised yeah, so thanks to david uh for sending that and i i think joe i think we ought to give him a slightly bigger shout out uh, I, yeah, me too agreed yes some of you may have seen his artwork if you follow the degenerate angler or bent podcast hashtags or the meat eater hashtag for that matter, because he's devoted like a lot of his life, uh, it seems, <laughs> to drawing characters slash pop art of every single person involved with meat eater. Yeah, he has. I'm not sure if he, if 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 David's like looking for a gig or a merch deal or what, but I mean, he has. I can't. I can't even name them all. He's drawn me as the misfit skull. He's drawn you and I fishing together. While Phil looks on from a tuggy sandbox, uh, he's drawn his interpretation of Lance V, Bob the Garbage Man, Steve, Yanni, Cal, all those guys. The list just goes on and on. Um, but uh, his attention to detail is incredible, you know? Yeah, it's wild. I noticed that in that picture that he posted of us, like, on, like, the uh, in the, the yeah. canoe or whatever. Yeah. He has gone so far. As to draw the headphones that we yeah. use in the studio, like the actual ones. I don't yes. even know how he knows we're using those headphones. He named the Tuggy the PT Cruiser, you know? Very detailed. I I, I, th- I think I think David is actually Steve Ranella. 
<laughs> in like a Banksy a sort of situation. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Anyway, speaking of attention to detail, we, we've got a question here in the Bent Helpline regarding a detail of your tackle storage many of you might not even consider. What are you laughing at, Martini? You're not an idiot? Huh? You're not a damn loony now, boy. You're a fisherman. <laughs> So our question this week comes uh, via email from Ted Pellick. I think that's how you say it. P-E-L-E-C-H. He says he's a longtime listener, first-time emailer. So lucky you, Ted, because your question question made it, man. Now, this is a question, right, that I have heard. uh, It's been kicked around a lot, right? There's been articles written about it, and and I'm really not sure there's 100% definitive answer. So I think the best we can do is sort of weigh in and, and give our opinion and uh, maybe a few tips. But but here's what Ted writes. He says, I have a few different bulk spools of name brand line that I've had above the workbench since sometime during the Bush Cheney administration. The economical, in parentheses, cheap side of me says the line, quote, seems fine and I should continue respooling my reels from those spools each year just as I have been. The spooky side of me says to throw that shit away and buy freshly minted line so I don't end up in a self-inflicted blind fit of homicidal rage because I snapped off a great fish <laughs> or birds nested three reels in just one hour of fishing. Uh, all that was to tee up. My question is, how old is too old for line? Well, there is not a quick answer to that because what is step one? What well, must I, be I, figured I, out first? <clears throat> Well, the first thing is addressing the bird's nesting, man. Like, that can be... Oh, really? Well, I mean, I, I, I want to get that out of the way, because that, that's, like, an easy solution. Um, without knowing the pound test, and I, I assume, like, you're talking about something for, like, bass or, like, whatever, you know, I'm going to assume we're working with, like, 10-pound test. Do you think that's, like, a fair assumption? Sure, we'll call it 10-pound test. Cool. Um, you could stretch that line out. As you're spooling it, and it probably won't bird's nest. And I'll tell you what, if it's going to break, you'll find out real quick doing that. So, well, that's true. Thing one. No, line, line stretching is is a whole other other issue, and it's important. And a lot of guys don't do it, but we'll we'll save that for later. What I was going to say, the most important thing to figure out right off the bat is what kind of line are we talking about? Because that answer is going to be different for monofilament, fluorocarbon, well, yeah. or braided line, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, how old is too old? All of that depends on environment, right? So with fluorocarbon and uh, monofilament, nothing will degrade those faster than than UV light. So if you've ever read anything about this, right, like that is like the the number one thing that will degrade those materials. Yeah, I mean, I know that's true for monofilament. I don't think that's true for fluorocarbon. I think it's less so for fluorocarbon. But still, because because UV light can penetrate through both of them, as I understand it, I've always been told, yes, mono will degrade the quickest, right? Uh, fluorocarbon less so. But, I mean, the fact that these are stored above a workbench already, you know, I think if, think if, you, if you have a bulk spool line that's been sitting out on deck all summer or for repeated yeah, summers, uh, but most people aren't doing that. It's in a garage no. or a basement or something like that, right? No. Um, temperature also factors into it. Though less so, uh, like I keep all my line out in my garage, right? And it, it's never—I would call it super extreme out there. But over time, over years and years, 
if you're going from 90s in the summer to 10 degrees in the winter, you know, for years on end, that 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 does matter. I think I can shortcut this a lot by saying that I'm pretty religious with changing any mono or fluoro. The only the only bulk spools I have are stuff that I'd use to fill offshore reels. And I bury them away in like the darkest corner of the garage. No light penetration. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> My answer is like pretty simple, man. If it's fluoro, it's fine. If it's mono, I would replace it unless it's like 20 pound mono or something like that. In which case I wonder how much damage it's like received from being in a garage. The other thing to consider again is like UV light exposure. If there's no light by your workbench, I'm not sure how worried I would be. But I don't think I would chance it. Yeah, no, and th- and that's the bottom line. I mean, it also depends on 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 what you're fishing for. I mean, if you're messing around with channel cats or something, and it's like kind of low drag, and you got some old mono kicking around. I mean, really, you spend enough time with with, with this stuff, you can almost feel when mono is is past its prime. It will have more memory. It will coil up, and, and mono these days is so cheap compared to modern fluoro and braid like it's 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 dirt cheap you know yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but Mm -mm. to like kind of wrap up my shit on it yeah um the time when i find this to be like most pertinent is actually in my uh is in my tippet spools when i'm fly fishing Mm -hmm. yeah um you know, I carry uh, mono and fluoro tippet. The fluoros for nymphing, the monos for, you know, dry fly fish. Sure. Where you kind of want everything to hang out on the surface. Um, I replace my mono tippet spools from 7X to 3X every year, probably. Yeah. Uh, I replace my aught tippet to my 3X every two or three years just because it doesn't mm-hmm. degrade nearly as fast. Um, so that, that, that's again, I guess, indicative of my feelings on if it's lighter and mono replace it often heavier and mono replace it less often 20 years, like Bush Cheney administration. That's a lot of time. Uh, that's a lot. That's of time. a lot of time. I, I, I would, I would ditch it just because that's an extreme amount of time. But I mean, I even keep some spools in my garage that are maybe, I don't know, eight years old bulk spools. Am I going to fill a reel with, with eight year old mono? No, but for me, it comes in handy. Like, I'll use it to throw a few wraps on a reel to back my new braid. You know what I mean? So I don't Mm. necessarily toss it, but am I going to put it out front, front and center, at the top end of a reel? No, probably not. Uh, Braid, people are going to cringe at this. I've had reels that have had the same braid on it for five years. I'll reverse it. You know what I mean? Flip it around. Um, But I don't know. I'm not a tournament angler. It's sort of like you pick your battles. I care more about the the braid on my saltwater outfits on a tuna jigging I, rod. I was going to say striper corrosion, rod. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I mean, it's partially corrosion, also partially just the size of the fish you're catching. I don't want my braid to break when I'm fighting a yellowfin, you know? Um, for stuff that I'm flicking, you know, for smallmouth here in the river, I'm, I'm slightly less concerned about having older braid on there. So I think, you know, when in doubt, man, just go out and and buy some new stuff, especially if it's mono. Not only is mono cheap, I also think that new mono is even slightly better than old mono, and it's still inexpensive. So twenty years, yeah, that's 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 a long time. No matter what kind of line it is, that's a long time. Hmm. 
Final thought, if you want to be really crazy about this, I have known some offshore captains who are buying these spools that are are hundreds and hundreds of dollars that will store them in a chest freezer. No mm. light, Hot tip. constant cold temperature. Hot tip. And uh, there you go. So, you know, hey, go buy some expensive line, throw it in the chest freezer with the tater tots, and it'll last even longer. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, great question, Ted. Thank you so much for sending it in. And if you have a question of a similar ilk, feel free to send it to bent at com. Or alternatively, I mean, you could send in a voice memo with your question. And maybe we'll answer it right here on the Bent Helpline. So that's it for this week. Remember, if you're not sure how thick the ice is, take the Kia Soul, not the Silverado. Uh, (laughs) And if nothing else, the Soul is much cheaper to replace. If you do end up on the ice in your Kia, please take a photo and tag it Degenerate Angler and or Bent Podcast on the Instagram. We'd appreciate that. Please do. Uh, Also, keep those helpline questions, bar nominations, awkward photos, and sale bin items coming to bent at themediator.com. We can't do what we do without you. No, we cannot. We also can't ice fish with you guys if you don't send us the exact GPS coordinates of where you're catching all your fish. So go ahead and upload them to our new app called This Spot's Now. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 